0: Hey Crack fans, before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And... In a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawn Mower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawn Mower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body. With this exclusive offer for you, you can get 20% off and free world- worldwide shipping with the code new balls, please at manscape.com. That's right. They let us stick with a the tennis theme, get 20% off and free shipping with the code new balls, please at manscape.com. And look. A little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Please at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is newballsplease. Please. podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 17th. I'm going to be honest, after two years without seeing it, I had forgotten the differences between grass court tennis and the rest of the action we see week in, week out, month in, month out on the ATP tour, the ball striking at a premium whenever you've got a grass court event, that first strike, first serve, ever so important. We've seen that manifest itself over the course of the past few days as the grass court season carries on across the ATP and WTA tour. What I want to do on today's podcast, catch all of you listeners up on all of the action that have unfolded on our four ATP and WTA level events this week. On the women's side, we've got the action carrying on in Berlin, in Birmingham. On the men's side, we've got the action in Halle and London. I do think given the condensed grass court season, given there are only two weeks of events, you know, this week. And next week, before the start of Wimbledon, we can learn a lot from these warm-up events. Certainly, it is going to be our only sample size to see these players compete before the year's third Grand Slam begins. So, again, trying to watch these matches as closely as possible while also keeping an eye on the significance for, of these results heading towards Wimbledon. So, again, today's podcast, what I want to do, talk about Berlin, talk about Birmingham, talk about Halle, talk about London. Get all of you listeners up to date on everything happening across the ATP and WTA Tours. Of course, the there's a lot happening elsewhere right now in the tennis world as well. We had our ITA kickoff weekend drafts for both the men's and women's division one events held on Wednesday and Thursday now. Of course, that's its own hour long podcast topic. And rest assured, listeners, we will be covering it on the Great Shot podcast. We are convening the Crack Rackets College Tennis, Holy Trinity, Matt Stikoyak, Chris Hallioris, myself coming together tonight to record that podcast that'll hopefully be out for you all either Friday or Saturday. So be on the lookout for that on your Great Shot podcast feed. We've also talked through all of the Challenger action, two Challenger Tour-specific pods on that Great Shot podcast feed. You've got Damien Kust, Jakob Bobro on Monday, myself, and David Gertler on Thursday to keep all of you listeners, again, up to date with all of the action that's unfolding across the tennis world. We've also, of course, got a few articles to plug on the website, CrackRackets.com. You can go read David's May All-Stars article. You can go read uh, Damien's column on Holgerun. His off the court controversy, everything surrounding him as well, the Next Gen 2.0 series, all of the above, can be found on our website CrackRackets.com. And then, of course, before we get into the podcast, last but not least, the reason I, we are able to do this, I have to remind all of you listeners, is because of the support we get from all of you day in, day out from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course from our friends at Tennis Point. You guys know the deal: best gear, best prices. Tennis-Point.com. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Remember, it's Tennis-Point.com. the symbol, The promo code is CR15. You want to learn more about that rebranding to Tennis Point, go check out Dave Limke on the latest edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Again, it's Tennis-Point.com. That promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's set the scene for what will be Friday's quarterfinal action at our ATP and WTA level events. Let's start. With the WTA action in Berlin, fantastic couple of days un- of tennis unfolding over the past two days there. You look across the board, we only have three of our top eight seeds left, and all of our top four seeds have been eliminated in matchups that I do think port- provide some value when looking outwards towards that 2021 Wimbledon. Let's start with a very noticeable one. Madison Keys knocks out top seed Arena Sabalenka, 6-4, 5 you look at the highlight numbers for Keyes, who by the way is a former Wimbledon semifinalist. I believe we know how dangerous she is. You talk about first serve, first strike. That's Madison Keyes' game in a nutshell. She executed at a higher level than Arena Sabalenka. I don't know if that match was today or two days ago. It might have been two days ago, but still. Makes 68 percent of her first serves wins 72 percent of those first serve points. Now only 44 percent of her second serve points, but you know uh, faces six points on the on the uh, six break points on the day, but creates 14 break points for herself. Got off to a really quick start in that first set to take an early break lead. Now Sabalenka managed to scrap her way back, but. Look, Keyes was connecting with returns, and in particular for Sabalenka, she made only 58% of her first serves. Now, when she was able to land that first serve, play first strike, she definitely could hang with Keyes strike for strike, and I actually do think from a defensive standpoint, Arena Sabalenka was more dynamic. She was a better mover to the outer third. She was a little bit more comfortable when she had to play slice over there as well, and just, again, roping that cross-court forehand when she was on the move. I thought she did a better job of doing that than Keyes, but I thought Keyes was much more steady and, in particular, steady as a returner. You look for her in this match. She only won 44% of her second serve points, but she held uh, Sabalenka to that 48% number. And then again, you know, Sabalenka uh, had to play 44 second serve points. Keys only had to play 25 of them. That sort of number, when you're playing double the, uh, you know, less than half or, I suppose, about half the amount of second serve points as your opponent, that usually bears well for you moving forward. And you talk about Madison Keys. There's no denying. Right now, you know, none of the metrics are going to love her. Five and seven in this 2021 season coming into the week. That means she's 85 in 2021 yearly ELO. You want to talk about more broadly, she's 27th in ELO ranking. And just a reminder because there were some people who were asking on Twitter ELO ranking measures who you play, not the when and the where. Um, you know, again, you look for her, you want to talk grass court specific ELO, that's the metric right now that's most favorable to Madison Keys, you look for her overall right now, she's number 15 in grass court ELO, and again, this is a surface she has had a ton of success on in her career. You look overall, she's 33-13 and 13 on the surface. She has made, as I mentioned, a quarter, excuse me, I think I said semifinal. It was a quarterfinal of Wimbledon uh, all the way back in 2015. She won the Birmingham event in 2016. Now, you look past couple of years, 2016, round of 16, three-set loss to Halep. I think that's Not excusable, but that's what we could say. A good loss. 2017, three-set loss to Georgie. 2018, third round, three-set loss to Rodianova. Now, 2019, she was struggling more broadly. She loses a match to Herzog, two and four, but... This is, again, she's 9-10 overall in her last 52 weeks. If there's ever going to be a surface, a condition for her to turn things around, it's certainly these grass courts and four Madison Keys that is a fantastic three-set victory. Again, just was able to keep her backswing short enough on the on the serve that she was able to get such good depth, in particular, taking her backhand inside in and down the line on the deuce and ad side, respectively, and just getting Sabalenka stretched on that first ball and then capitalizing, taking that next ball down the tee, following things up by moving forward. I thought this was the highest level of play I've seen from Madison Keys in quite a bit of time. Again, you look for her overall 9-10 in her last 52. Things starting to trend, though, in the right direction. Made the third round of Roland Garros. Now gets two wins here over Magdalena Freke and uh, Arena Sapilenka to advance to the quarterfinal here in Brazil. Things trending. Got the win over Sloane Stephens in Rome as well. Things trending in the right direction for Madison Keys, who, again, had to come back from COVID at the start of this. this. This season missed out in Australia and is now finally, I believe, starting to find her rhythm, work her way into this 2021 season. Now, quickly the flip side because we talk Sabalenka all the time here on this mini break podcast. This was a Sabalenka match in a nutshell. She ends up taking the most lopsided set in the match, 6-1 over Madison Keys. And again, I'm going to keep mentioning this stat. She's 44-14 and 14 in her last 52 matches. You look at those 14 losses. How many of them are you asking? Uh, came uh, Were three set losses? Uh, 12 of the 14, folks. That's how difficult it is to beat her. She's going to find her peak for a set. This is why I continue to keep belief because even when you beat her, it's really freaking hard to do uh, because she is going to have a 15-20 minute stretch where she just hits you off the court and that's what she did to start that second set and just roared away with it against Madison Keys but you know again that first serve percentage in set number one she made 58% of them set number three she made 60% of them but the second serve just it left her short and she just she gets flustered out there she loses loses concentrations the wrong way of saying it but it's almost that I get bored out there. I, she feels the need to mix in the slice and mix in the short angles. When sometimes just line drive power does the trip. She didn't need to get fancy against Keys, and you know, again, I think Keys took advantage of that. And just you know, whenever Sabalenka would turn to a slice, Keys is rocketing that ball to the open court. And just Madison Keys played a really good match, and yet Sabalenka still almost won the match. I think that speaks to why again people think so highly of her now. Still need to see Madison, or still need to see her just have in general more success in grass in her career. You look overall for Arena Sabalenka thus far in her career, 16-12 and 12 on the grass courts. The farthest she's ever made is a second round at Wimbledon. You know, again, she's got those big back swings. She does like to set and, you know, uh, take a big cut at the return, which is a little bit harder to do on grass courts. But with her power, her ball striking, the variety of things she can do, her comfort level moving forward. Maybe this is the slam because it's so unexpected that Arena Sapilenka makes a big run. Anyways, it's not going to be in Berlin, though. She's knocked out in three sets by Madison Keys. You look at, again, some of the other notable results over these past two days, how we got to these quarterfinals. Worth noting, Jess Pegula now 4-0 against Karolina Pliskova in this 2020 season. She's just got her number. And I mean, she capitalizes on those second serve returns, takes that ball so early and just makes a high percentage of first serves whenever she plays Pliskova. And, you know, in this match today, she made 62% of her first serves, but she was really smart of taking that first ball when it was a second serve point to the open court and just getting Pliskova stretched. And you look in this match, she won 52% of her second serve points. She challenged the Pliskova second serve. That was the difference in this match. Pliskova, 8 of 23 on second serve points. Uh, Pagula was 12 of 23. Now, it's crazy to say that four points makes the difference, but 7 5 6 2 match. Again, both of these players, I mean, Pliskova only won 50. 55 or 56% of her first serve points and in- so, again, Pagula, I just think, had more success returning today, getting that ball deep and just at the feet of Karolina Pliskova, or more importantly, to the open court to get her stretch to create more open court for herself, and then Pliskova would feel pressured to go down the line, and that's how Pagula draws the error from you. Uh, Pagula just has Pliskova's number. There's not much else to say, and you look for Jess Pagula now, who, again, by 2021, ELO is a top 20 player, 25 and 10 now, I believe, this season, number 14 in 2021, ELO, you want to talk overall. She's currently Jess Pegula. Let's see, where are you Jess Pigula? Number 20 it feels about right. And I mean, I think the rankings are going to be reflecting that pretty soon as well. Uh, Jess Pegula into the quarterfinals here of the event in Berlin. Straight set win for her, uh, as mentioned, over uh, Karolina Pliskova. Once again, you look at the other results we see on the day. I thought it was a really nice performance from Belinda Bencic, particularly after she struggled against Julie Niemeyer in her first round. 3-4 and four over Petra Martic. She was just the one on her front foot dictating. Ditto for Katerina Alexandrova, who we've talked about before. I'll say it again. One of those sneaky breakthrough players uh, over the past, I guess, 18 months now on the tour was so hot at the start of 2020, and then, of course, the pandemic kind of killed her momentum but has regained that rhythm, and she's looked awesome. Again, just had Svitolina on her back foot, moves pretty well on the surface, hits the ball low and flat as well just to keep those ground strokes low. She was excellent. And again, earns the straight set victory uh, over Alina Svitolina. You look at the matches; seventy percent of, seventy one percent of her first serves won. Eighty percent of those points now struggled on her second serve, but saved six of seven break points she faced versus going three of five herself on the break point chances. I didn't think Svitolina was particularly bad in this match. I just thought Alexandrova had the bigger weapons from the ground. She earns the victory to advance to the quarterfinals, and then again, you know, looking at the results, we saw Cornet over Andres skew it was a 6-5 decision. I actually thought BB looked pretty good overall. It's just, you know, she hasn't played many grass court matches in her professional career, and Cornet has played many a grass court matches. Just did such, She just looked more comfortable moving on the surface than Andreescu. You look in this match in total, uh, you know, for Andreescu, when she was able to make first serves and play first strike on the Cornet second serve, she looked just fine, but she definitely was struggling with her footing throughout this match, and I do think that's something to note heading into Wimbledon as well, is how comfortable will Andreescu be on the surface? at that point. She's got the weapons. She's got the skill set. It's just a matter, again, of finding the comfort level. But Cornet pulls off the upset, you know, again, just running through the rest of these results. Samsonova, straight set win over Kudermatova. You had Vika, really impressive 3-5 and win over Angelique Kerber. And by the way, I think Kerber's in form. I think if the draw is right and she gets the right combination of seeds, she's going to find herself in the second uh, 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 second week of the event. Uh, but Vika's got the firepower. Vika's got the fluidity. Vika's got the confidence right now. She's been playing with a freedom ever since the tour resumed in August, and it's palpable, and it's very, very enjoyable to watch. 6-3, 7-5 result for Vika. Uh, your last ones that I haven't mentioned yet, Garbine, our last one, I should say, Garbine Muguruza finally looks healthy again. 4-3 and three against Rabakana. Did such a good job just absorbing that serve, absorbing that first strike, using her length, using her ability to change direction off of both wings, hit to the open cord and just expose the... I would say, fine, like... Acceptable, Not going to lose her matches, but not going to win her matches movement of Elena Rabakina, who is certainly dangerous with her serving capabilities, her first strikes. But just, you know, she really struggled on second serve points. 10 of 29 in the match versus Muguruza's 11 of 22. Again, it's the little things in tennis. That was the difference. Muguruza makes 70% of her first serves. Advances to the quarterfinals. She looks healthy. That is a dangerous prospect for the rest of the tournament. And you look at, you know, tomorrow's matches just across the board. Really really fun set of affairs. You've got Bencic, Alexandrova at the bottom, Muka taking on Kornay as well. You've also got Keys taking on Samsonova, and then, of course, Vika Azarenka taking on Jess Pagula. It's a lot of, you know, again, we're, I keep waiting for the Bencic breakthrough to happen. She has yet to really have a big result since the two are resumed in August. Maybe this is the one. Uh, Alexandrova, that's uh, two hard-hitting players. Again, Alexandrova probably going to be pushed into counterpuncher mode. That's just going to be interesting to watch, but should be a really, really fun day of quarterfinal action. Again, overall, the action in Berlin delivering the goods. Let's move on now to Birmingham. And again, not going to take as long on this one because with respect, I think Berlin is the more noticeable thus far of the two draws. But you look at the quarterfinals we have shaping up here. Coco Vandewey. That is someone big serve, big forehand, big explosive game. If she's healthy, moving well, confident, and can get into the main draw, absolutely a dangerous player. 4-6-6, 4-6-3 win for her over Tom Yanovich. She's now got a match that's going to be on her racket. Let's be honest. She's got the firepower advantage against Marie Buskova, who knocked out Caroline Garcia in straight sets. But Buskova puts so much pressure on you, just makes a million balls. It's a great litmus test to see how close Coco vandaway is to returning to her top four. That's one of tomorrow's uh, quarterfinals. You've also got Kasichina taking on Martin Sovin. Again, the resurgence of Daria Kasichina this season. You look for her overall, was a, a top five player in 2021 ELO very early in the season with the success she had on the hard courts in Australia. Currently 21-9 and nine overall in the year number 27 overall. Uh, someone who, again, her breakthroughs came on clay early in her career, but just the confidence, the athleticism she plays with, her ability to hit to the open court as well that first serve as a way to set up the rest of the point. I, it was a really impressive win for her over Kostyuk 2 and 5 today to advance to the quarterfinals. We're now she's got to match up with uh, Teresa Martinsova who I stole that match from Yelena Ostapenko. Like, Ostapenko probably should have won that first set, but Martin Silva just made that extra ball. Let Ostapenko uh, beat herself and produce those errors and just put played high-percentage tennis. And again, Kasichin was a very different opponent, but that's a great result for Martin Silva, 7-6-4, 6-6-2. You look at the bottom half of the draw, the Donna Vekic resurgence is coming. And you look at her contemporaries, Sakari Mertens, Konteve, Kretschikova, Brady, they've all jumped ahead of her after Vekic, it felt like early in their careers, was perhaps the leader in the clubhouse. She struggled with health mightily over the past few months, over really the past, I'd say, six months, but seems to finally be regaining that. It was a really impressive win for her over Camilla Giorgi, 266364. If you left anything in the center, Georgie was hitting it for a winner on this day. And Vekic just didn't get flustered. Stayed poised, took it, you know, played smart, aggressive first strike tennis when the opportunity presented itself, did her best to keep that return deep in the center of the court, just not allow an angle and space for Georgie to attack. And, you know, again, was up 5-2, got broken for 5-4, uh 5-3, and then Georgie holds for 5-4, but is able to hold in the end and advance. And now she's got a very fresh informed Heather Watson, who got a 5-2 retirement from Shui Zhang, who of course made the final the week before, so you can understand that. Uh, Of course, Vekic taking on Watson, then on your bottom half, Anastasia Potapova, the young Russian, continuing to rock and roll win over Stojanovic, then a win, or I would say physically worn down, Kiki Mladenovic played a really physical three-set match against Fiona Farrow, Potapova, just too much firepower, 3-3 and win for her. She uh, now takes on Onjabur, who played the match of the day. 6-4, 3-6, 7-6 win for Jabur uh, over Layla Fernandez. You look at the numbers from this match. It was exactly as ex- uh, exciting as we hoped it would be. You look uh, in this battle again for Onjabur on the day. Did just a really good job of playing high-percentage tennis and keeping, uh, you know, again, keeping the patterns on her terms. Now, again, these are two players who can do a lot of things well, but you look for Jabur, you know, Fifty-four percent of the first serves not great, but she won sixty-nine percent of those first serve points. Sixty-three percent of her second serve points. This was a match that only featured six breaks of serve throughout the course of the three sets. Again, really high level of play from both of these players. Really good at taking their first strikes to the open court and Im- incorporating slice and incorporating short angles, just making it miserable physically for you on those grass courts. But ultimately, Shibor again a little bit further developed, a little bit stronger. I think that could you could tell that in the tiebreaker in particular Shabur just a little bit more solid in the end six four three six seven six 6 result for her but again that's a, a win for her but again that's a really good result for Layla Fernandez and now as I mentioned you look at the matchups we've got tomorrow Vandeway versus Buskova Kasikina versus Martin Sova Potopova versus Shabur, Watson versus Fekic gonna be a really really fun day of WTA action. Now, with those two in mind, let's flip gears, talk about the men quickly. And again, I'm going to save a big men's breakdown for... I think tomorrow, when we or maybe later, uh, early next week, when we bring on a guest uh, to break down the grass court season, talk about the biggest questions heading into Wimbledon. You look at the round of uh, the quarterfinal matches we've got here now, and in particular, we'll start with Hala because it does feel like that was the more exciting of the two days. You look in London; it was all straight set matches in London. We'll get back to that in the round of sixteen, but in Hala, you know, some surprise. Uh, you would say round of uh, quarterfinalists. Now let's start with Felix Ozier Aliasim, who I mentioned this yesterday. I'll mention it again today. You look at grass court Elo rating right now. It goes Djokovic one, Chilich two, Query three, Feliciano Lopez four. Felix Ogier aliassime is five. You want to know why that's the case? I mentioned the numbers yesterday, but he beats Roger Federer today. Four, six, six, three, six, two. And let's just be honest. When you can get this Roger Federer stretched into the outer thirds, if you can attack his backhand with first strike or service pace, he will leave you a short ball. And Felix Ogier aliassime did such a freaking good job in this match of capitalizing on short balls, on running around those balls, hitting forehands in particular so heavy to that Federer backhand corner and just... Again, putting a ton of returns in the court as well and focusing on his depth more than his precision, just not allowing Roger to play easy first-strike tennis. And look, I mean, Felix got early breaks in sets two and three and held on to them, and he is starting to play some confident tennis. Now, wins over Hurkacz and Federer in this event, he might be the favorite in the top half because you look and... By the way, of course, Felix Ogier-Aliassime is going to play two weeks of ridiculous tennis before going into the Grand Slam. It's like, well, you just played two weeks consecutively. Now you need to play two more. But, I mean, you look at that top half of the draw. He's got Girón next, who, fantastic. I, we mentioned him yesterday, so I'm not going to repeat myself again. Marcos Girón clearly playing the best tennis of his career. Six seven six three six four win against Jan Leonard Struf just used his athleticism, his low center of gravity to absorb that first strike. change direction on Struf. Anyways... Felix Serve, his forehand, biggest weapons in that match. There's no denying that. And then you look at that bottom half of that top section: Hugo Umber, who gets the three-set upset win over he who should not be named, Alex Virov, and then Sebastian Korda, three-set win over Kanish Corey. FA is probably the guy with the most grass court experience of those four. Certainly, he's made two ATP finals. I know Hugo Umber has had some success at Wimbledon, made a second week there, but that's a really, I mean, that's a winnable section. Again, Felix, right after making his eighth final, I know he lost then, he's owning an ATP finals. He's got a pathway to a ninth final and at an ATP 500 level event as well. And again, he took it to Roger Federer on grass. Now, again, from the Federer perspective, this was not a match that Federer played his best tennis in. And the movement, the footwork, the precision still looks a little bit off. Even serving for that first set Felix got to a break point. That never happens in a vintage Federer performance unless he's playing Novak Djokovic, but you look for him in this match. I mean, Felix's return numbers were silly. For uh, Excuse me, his service numbers were silly. 48 of 69 on his first serves. 42 of 48 on those first serve points. 13 of 21 on second serve points. Faced one break point in the match versus the 15 he created for himself on Federer's serve. I mean, Felix just outplayed Roger in every aspect of the tournament. And certainly, again, given there's only one more week between now and Wimbledon, does Roger Federer want to go play another event, take a wild card somewhere, just put more matches on his body? I don't know if he wants to make that decision. Probably not, because certainly physically, that's the biggest question mark for him. And he did get two, you know, long matches in this week. In Hala, the question is, was it enough for him to learn the match cadences, get those rhythms back? I mean, he doesn't need to learn it, relearn and just reacclimate himself to the movements and the intricacies of the surface. I would say the answer is probably yes. And I do think moving forward again, Felix is a top 20 grass court player when he's clicking. And today he was clicking Fantastic performance for FAA to advance to the quarterfinals, where again, he's got Giron now. Giron into his first ATP level 500 event. You look for Marcos Giron just quickly, because I am curious, and I want to let all of you listeners know as well. Marcos Giron inside the top 70 for the first time in his career, number 65 in the live rankings. One more win gets him into the top uh, 60 that's where he belongs. That's how good he has been of late. You look for Marcos Girón overall this season. You know, it's been struggles because he's been trying to make the transition from challenger levels to playing exclusively ATP-level action, but, I mean, he's just physically clicking, and it's across surfaces as well. Good for you, Marcos giron Longtime fans of his here, obviously, another person who proves college tennis can work. But again, he advances in three sets. Ugo Umber, three-set win over Zverev. Again, we've seen Umber have success on this surface before. And for him, two really good wins over two big servers in Query and Zverev in his first two matches. Just a guy who keeps that ball out in front of him. That backhand's flat. It's going to stay low on the court and does a really good job of, you know, hitting to the outer thirds with his forehand, both cross-court and down. The line does a really good job of hitting the slice serve out wide on the ad side, hitting the kick serve out wide on the deuce because he is a lefty and just opening up court and angles for himself. And again, Zverev did not play a great match in this one. The first serve was struggling at times; he was passive at times. Uh, but Umbert took it to him, and now he's got a really fun matchup with Sebastian Corda, who will never look more like Tomas Berdych than when he's playing grass court tennis. Just the easy down the line pace from him off of both wings. How clean that ball striking is. He probably. Has been my favorite ball striker on the grass, and shout out to Manscaped Ball Striker, our new sponsor. But anyways, um it, Sebastian Corda just it looks so easy for him. And his comfort level moving forward and his decisiveness, and that's what you have to be on a grass court. You have to be decisive. If someone hits to the outer third and you think you can pull the trigger down the line, you better do it with success because if you don't, you have lost the point. Really nice performance for Korda. Three-set win for him over an informed kanishi Nishikori who's going to play a five-set match against someone in the first and second round and beat them both at Wimbledon to ultimately make the third. Really nice wins for him. You look at the bottom half of the draw. All straight sets results. Kohl's. Schreiber advances over Moutet. Rublev straight sets over Thompson. Lloyd Harris, who is your dark horse entering Wimbledon, folks. Pencil, uh, no, pen that in right now. Sharpie that bad boy in. Lloyd Harris, depending on the draw, fourth round at Wimbledon. Um, he's going to take on Nikolas Basilashvili tomorrow, who just had one of those good days. Two and five for him over Rinderneck. That's the action going on. In Hala, excuse me, the action happening in London, all straight setters in our round of 16 uh, to rapid fire through this one uh, because, again, just trying not to bombard you all with too long of podcasts. I know why why start now? Why worry about that time length now? I don't know. It's just one of those days. But anyways, um, you look across the board. Berrettini just had too much firepower for Andy Murray, who is serving fine, is returning really, really well, and that's obviously so critical on return because that first ball, getting the point back to neutral, if you allow someone a plus one opportunity on a grass court, I would say 95% of the time you're going to lose the point. Murray got that return with depth uh, and with good direction, but just... You know, today, I, he couldn't handle the pace of the Matteo Berrettini forehand. It would cause Murray to leave a backhand short or slice it or just leave a forehand sitting on the service line, and then Berrettini's around that ball hitting forehands, moving in, just put a ton of pressure on Murray, kept him on his back foot. I thought Murray moved fine. Good, not great. I'm still not accustomed to seeing him slice as frequently as he now has to do on his backhand wing, but just, you know, again, Berrettini's that next level. Berrettini is a fa- not a favorite to win the event, but he's a favorite to make the quarterfinals. I would argue maybe even a favorite to make the semifinals at this event with the sort of power he has the way that backhand slice cuts through the court but how much better he's gotten and decisive as a returner and as a player from the baseline the all-court game as well his ability to move forward really really nice performance from him Cam Nori, stud, 5-2 and two win over Karatsev, who got injured in that second set, but for Nori to win that first, it just moved the balls around the court so well, did such a good job absorbing the pace of Karatsev and redirecting him. That backhand's is just a nightmare because he sticks it down the line, and it's just like he's barely touching it, and then all of a sudden he'll rip one cross-court. All of a sudden he's hitting that inside-outer and then opening up the inside-in lefty forehand on that side of the court, uh, or on due side of the court, excuse me, yeah, he and he's just playing with confidence. There's nothing Cam Nori thinks he can't do on the court right now, and that's half the battle. And so great victory for him. Ditto about Marin Chilich right now, who's another dark horse. You know, we thought the Chilich era was over. It's not. He's hitting his first strike, his serve with such confidence. Three and six win for him over Fonini. Huge win. For young British talent Jack Draper, six and six over Bublik. That follows up his win in the first round that he earned in dramatic fashion over Yannick Sinner, six and six. I mean, come on, you're four zero oh in tiebreakers. He's Yuri Vesely with gumption, hits the forehand big. I would say a little bit more but dynamic on the backhand, comfortable going down the line, comfortable playing plus one. That game just looks like it belongs on a grass court. Three Brits, I believe, for the into the quarterfinals of London for the first time in more than a decade. Uh, that is your one of the third. It being Dan Evans, who got a four and six win over Adrian Manorino. Your other results on the day. Demon straight set win over Milman. Chapo beats Lopez for the second time in two weeks. And then Francis Tiafo. Seven straight wins now on grass courts. He gets a three and six win over Victor Troisky to set up a matchup number five in their career, I believe, tomorrow with Shapovalov. And you look across the board, I would say London's probably the more fun event moving forward. Tiafo versus Shapovalov. I'm in on Battle of the Brits, Part 7, Nori vs. Draper, in, Chilich vs. Demon Hour, in, Evans vs. Berrettini, in, 9 of the, or I believe actually 11 of the 16 players, if you want to go to my year of birth, 11 of the 16 on the men's side uh, were born 1995 or later. Next gen campaign starts with the 1996ers, folks. It's the next gen tour, uh, next gen ATP players' world, week in, week out on tour. The only place they haven't done it is the Grand Slam finals. And I know some people, some of you listeners, probably even think, well, that's the place that matters most. I'm not debating that, but there's 40 other weeks in the in the season uh, of professional tennis, and those, I would say. 30 of the other 40 weeks are dominated by next-gen performances, maybe even more than that. They're here. They're the generation in in control of the ATP 2, where it's just a matter of time until one of them breaks through at a grand slam, and again given the lack of Nadal at Wimbledon, there's been a lot of withdrawals over the past day. I'm going to save this for, again, a conversation on another time, a more broader, why do we think we're seeing this many withdrawals, team withdrawals from the Olympics today, and uh, just a bunch of different things as well. Um, But we'll, we'll save those for a different time. Um, But again, it's, it, it like it does feel like the Wimbledon men's side. I mean, the women's side obviously wide open. Every Wimbledon uh, women's slam right now is wide open. But it feels like the men's side outside of Novak Djokovic. Who's your second favorite? Is it Tsitsipas? Just by osmosis, like is it Rublev? Is it Sverev? Is it Medvedev? Like I, it's a, is it Berrettini? It, it, by eye test, it probably should be Berrettini right now. I don't know. It's going to be a very, very interesting fortnight at Wimbledon. But again, before we get there, we have a week and a half left of ATP and WTA events to enjoy. That is your recap of the action in Berlin, Birmingham, Halle, and London. A reminder to all of you, if you're looking for some college tennis talk, you want to hear us recap the ITA kickoff draft, rest assured. College Tennis Holy Trinity, Matt Sequoia, Chris Halliors, myself coming together tonight to recap all of the action. You'll be able to hear that hopefully uh, no later than Friday. Uh, so be on the lookout for all of that on the Great Shot podcast feed where we also talked to ATP Challenger action. We put a bow on the French Open as well. You can find all of that there. You can, of course, catch up on all of the action happening across the tennis world on our website, CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPodAShot. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.